I'm Linda Van Falkenberg. And I'm Ron Gore. And, and you're listening, listening to, to the, the Co Parent Academy, Academy Podcast. Podcast. So, what have you found on Reddit for us to talk about today? Well, I have a Reddit post here from a gentleman who I think would be un- unhappy with my body composition. <laughs> <laughs> we can leave it at that probably. Um, in this post, we've got uh, a father it says he's divorced. They've got an eight year old daughter living with mom primarily. In fact, he says that um, he's got the child one week in a month. And he says that his daughter has seen steady weight gain over the last year. And he's wondering how to talk with her mother about it. And he doesn't leave it at saying, talk to her mother about it. And he has to label her, mm. even in the title, her obese mother. Oh, dear. So. Oh, dear. Yeah. What was your thought about that post? Well, eight-year-old daughter, he did, he did actually know a little bit that, you know, at that age from then to 11 or 12, um, he called it her morphing body, um, that that she will be changing somewhat. Um, I took my my niece shopping for jeans at about 10 or 11, and it was a, a really not pleasant experience for either of us because <laughs> nothing wants to fit a girl at that time. Well, and she said, he says here she's eight. Yes. So it's kind of early to be thinking about that. Right. And no amount of my, you know, trying to be positive with my niece about how her body was going to be changing a lot in the next two or three years, you know, made her feel any better about the fact that the the skinny jeans she wanted didn't fit her. Right. So it's, it's really kind of, hmm, you're on a really tenuous basis with um, the child if you do start talking about um, body changes at this stage of things. Also, the fact that he says he's been living far away for three of the four years since the divorce and only sees her once a month. I would really hate for him to um, be negative towards her in any way, especially if he's just seeing her that amount of time. But in general, just just not be. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't super happy with... Um, his labeling. Yes. In this whole thing. So starting off saying her obese mother. And if he's going to label mother, what will he do to the child? I right. Worry. Yes. Right. And, you know, what's his rationale for saying obese? Right. I mean, is he saying medically obese? Um, if he Is he saying obese according to his standards? That's what I kind of gathered. That's what I kind of gathered, too. You know, and, and he says that the daughter had always been tall and thin, but last summer she had... You know, he said, quote, the beginning of a belly. That word hit me funny, too. Yeah. I didn't like it. <laughs> so what is he? So I guess in the summer, maybe he's seen in her bathing suit and he's seen the beginning Probably. of a belly. And so that tells me that he's being hypercritical on the body of this girl. And I imagine, um, and I'm, you know, obviously we're speculating on all of this stuff. Right. But my gut tells me that he's just looking for anything to pick at mom about. And he thinks of mom as being unhealthy 
and overweight. And so he's eagle-eyed for any indication that the daughter's also going to have any kind of being overweight. And I imagine, because he says in the, at the bottom of this, that when she's with him, the child is with him, they exercise and eat well. So I think he probably views himself as important to him in terms of his self-image, that he's healthy. And he probably feels superior to mom in this regard. Oh, yes. And so this is a way for him to uh, gain some moral authority in his mind over the primary custodian. And not just a little primary. I mean, right. he's got two or three overnights out of 30. So he's got 10%. She's got 90. Right. And I know sometimes it's difficult if you feel like there is any sort of deficit uh, in the way a child is being raised on the other side of the fence that you would like to, you know, sometimes it's an educational thing. And so you really pour on, if you feel like one parent's not supporting, um, which I do hear a lot from parents that, you know, I'm the only one that helps with homework or make sure that they read every night or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so that parent tends to pour on a lot of the the educational stuff to the extent that the kid gets so tired of it when they're at that home and they long for fun that they're going to have at the other house. And so right. you've got to be careful that you don't pour on too much in a short amount of time, especially if you're the parent that doesn't have that much time and try to, you know, and I'm not saying he needs to take her to McDonald's for every meal. like he he accuses mother of doing when he has her, but he's got to be very careful to make the, the eating well he talks about or the exercise something fun and very interactive, you know, maybe engage the child in uh, starting to cook those things or oh, that's a good idea, you know, yeah. make it creative and, and interesting to the child so that it's not like a punishment, you know, um, one night. It can be fun, but it can also be practically torture to the kid. Well, I can imagine it's quite a change. So let's say, for example, that that it's not merely catastrophizing on his part. Right. That mom really does do primarily McDonald's for breakfast and dinner several days a week and then frozen meals otherwise. You then take this eight-year-old and you take her one weekend per month and you're giving her a totally different diet and you're having her exercise. Right. In a way that she's not used to exercising. Right. So that doesn't seem to be a good uh, setup for a happy visitation. Just kind of right. like what you're saying. Exactly. It's like me. I've been going to the gym, you know, trying to get in better shape. And I'm real conscious. And I'm in this class with these people. And um, I'm not even close to being in the best shape. And I'm real conscious of the fact that I have to make it hard enough for myself to justify having gotten up at 5 a.m. to go do it, but not so hard that I'm not going to go the next day. But that's you even as an adult wanting to make those changes. Right. And so if this child does not see herself as having a problem, unless he's hmm, underlining that every time he sees her, um, then why would she be engaged in trying to solve the problem? Right. Uh, And so it's very... the fact that it's a girl, I mean, it's not, you know, totally impossible to start a, an eating disorder with a boy either. But with with girls, we just tend to be hyper-focused, especially with all the the social media stuff now. You know, 
everybody's hyper-focused on, on their, their body weight and, and how they look compared to whoever is on TikTok. And right. so it's, it's very worrisome to me. Sure. And the thought that I was saying was that he, he's actually going to be destroying his message right. by making something so un, um, unattractive to her in terms right. of the diet and exercise that it's going to turn her off of the whole idea. Probably. And yeah, and the idea that he's got this eight year old, she's about to, she's about to come into this age where she, you're right. She's going to be on social media if she isn't already. And this guy, this dad is not subtle. Right. You know, and his language his his wording, nothing in this is subtle. And so I have it hard. I have a hard time believing that he is not making this known to her. Right, And if she is actually eating these things and she gets a very different diet, she's eight. She's going to ask for the kinds of foods that she's used to eating. Right. And what is he telling her? Like if I were, if I were cross-examining this guy, <laughs> am I, that's always sort of what I think about. Mm-hmm. I would ask him, how does that conversation go? Mm-hmm. Like you have her, what do you give her to eat? Right. She's not used to eating this. What's the conversation about? That's a very good question. Because that sort of will give the context of... What this little girl thinks. And what usually happens, I would expect, is because even though I'm not cross-examining, I can't help myself sometimes in an intake session go on, asking something very similar. Oh, so what do you tell her about that? And typically, they are so happy to share with you the positive things they are doing in right. that regard that they tell you right. <laughs> the words they're using. And it usually denigrates the mother in the context of that. It's it's almost impossible not to. And even if he were to provide a perfect answer about what it is that he's saying to the child, the question that I would then have to follow up is, well, did you talk with the mom about it first? Right. And why isn't that a conversation that everybody was having together? Right. Which is why I wouldn't mind asking it in cross because there's no answer that I don't like. And this is, this is just one of many issues that you find, um, that parent coordinators work with because you, you have, you know, even if these people were uh, obviously married, if they got a divorce and living together for some amount of time, um, they might've been struggling with their, their diet, um, their menus, you know, while they were together even. And it's a, I don't know what kind of, you know, middle ground they reached at that point. But then when people are, suddenly apart, you will find that they, you know, I mean, it it can go so many different directions where, you know, now they're kind of on the extreme probably of they're not still in that middle ground for the most part. Right. Because they're not tempering each other. Right. That's the word, tempering. Right. And so the, the child is going from one extreme to the other. You know, I'm a PC, parenting coordinator. And as a parenting coordinator, this issue were brought to me. Right. What I would say is, are you a doctor? Is she a doctor? Nobody's a doctor. I'm not a doctor. Right. So this child has a doctor. Take the child to the doctor for a Excellent. normal, regular checkup. Without the girl knowing, the parents both express their concern to the doctor about the right. diet. Let the diet make, let the doctor make recommendations based on his actual observations right. and his or her and clinical training. Right. And then we follow what the doctor says. And then we're not having this conversation anymore. And the doctor then could be the one and or you 
uh, following up the doctor's recommendation to maybe have the child work with a dietitian or a nutritionist to make sure that you know certain things are done that maybe haven't been followed through with before. Right. But to me, that's the answer. Nobody here is the expert. I I had a case quite a while back where the, much like this one, where the father was all into diet and exercise and the mother not so much. And, and the um, child was weighed by father uh, the instant uh, he got her to his house. Every single time he saw her. And when the father presented for the intake with me, he was ever so proud of his log that had gone on for a good six, eight months. And all I could think of is, oh, my gosh, (laughs) she's a girl and you're weighing her the second you get her to her house every time. What must she be thinking? And then when I did talk to the girl, of course, it was a huge thing to her and she dreaded every single time coming to dad's house. And of course, that's why I was seeing them because she was beginning to resist and refuse coming. Wow. And you know, when you have the situation in this particular case, this is not a, an eight year old girl who has had a perfectly untraumatic life, right? We all have our issues, right? but this is an eight year old girl who's already gone through a divorce, right? Who has a father who's lived far away. So it's kind of like that. Um, there's this idea of an eggshell plaintiff in tort cases. So some individuals have a pre-existing condition or state that makes them more susceptible to injury. Oh. And if you know that the person is in that state and you do the thing that causes them the injury, then it's actually worse. Right? You can imagine if you knew the person was vulnerable and you ignore that vulnerability and you hurt them. So... I think of that when I think about how parents treat their kids in co-parenting situations. Wow. What does that apply? Yeah, because it's not a child who's been without trauma. If we're looking at the the score that the child would get on the ACEs, right. we already know that they're they're not at zero. Right. So And that's a child that is experiencing all those changes. And once again, they didn't choose the change. Correct. Yep. So now, all right, we've been picking on dad. (laughs) So what should mom, let's say that dad actually has gone to mom and has expressed concerns to mom and that there are some legitimate bases for these concerns. From mom's perspective, what should mom be doing or saying? Well, that's the part that we don't know how much of this may be true or not. Um, I know many times one side has told me something like this where, you know, he says she has a diet of frozen meals at McDonald's uh, several days a week. If he is questioning, interrogating this eight-year-old about her diet when he has her, she could infer that it's more times than it really is. Kids this age don't really keep a log of how many times a week they do what. Right. And so I would say this is probably exaggerated to what is actually happening. So, you know, I would want, if I were the PC or the therapist, I would want mom to 
verify for me what is going on food-wise with the child. And then I'd want to talk with the child about what is going on food-wise. And um, sometimes it's it's different what they will say to me versus a parent that's interrogating them because they're just kind of like they're just caught in the headlight and, and they're kind of like, you know, and I don't I don't know, I don't know. Okay, yes, that many times a week, you know, that kind right. of thing. And so with with me, now I like to take a, a child through when I'm interviewing a child for the first time in a divorce situation. Um, I call it a day in the life where you just, you know, you're at you're at one house. What what are you having for breakfast? And what is morning like there? You know, when do you wake up? How do you do mornings at your house? And and uh, and what a while back, I'll never forget it that I I asked her what morning was like at mom's house, and and she said, um, "Oh, we have you know, mom's in the kitchen when I get up, and and she's making me." Uh, pancakes and bacon and, you know, stuff like that. I mean, it was a real home-cooked meal for breakfast. And then I said, and what about at dad's house? And she sat there for a little bit, looked a little confused. And she goes, um, we don't have breakfast at dad's house. Like she hadn't really even thought about it before. And so father was the one who actually had brought her that day. And, and so I got her busy drawing something for me and went out to the waiting room. And I said, uh, Curious question for you, Dad. What do you, what do you do about breakfast at your house when you have this child? And he did the same kind of confused look, and he goes, um, "I don't get hungry in the morning." <laughs> okay, thank you. Just verified <laughs> what your child said, you know. Well, and also indication of an inability to see your child's needs is separate from your own, which is one of the key things for parenting. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so that would be helpful in this case to actually find out right. from them what the situation is, and then you know maybe point to resources. But yeah, because I would hope that first and foremost that is an exaggeration, and then if not, how how would you handle that as a PC if you find out? Yeah, this is exactly the way it is that they live on frozen meals at McDonald's. What what would you say to the mother? Well, again, so when I work as a parenting coordinator, I think of myself primarily as a manager of the situation okay. on some things I may happen to know well, like I feel like I know well about communication and some things um, like that that are related to the co-parenting. But if it comes to something that is not my bailiwick, it's not my area of expertise, then I'm always going to defer like to the expert. To the doctor. So I would again, send to the doctor, follow up on all recommendations. I'm not going to suggest that I know better, even on something that seems obvious like McDonald's, it's not for me to say that her diet's unhealthy for her. Right. So we just need to see what a, what a professional would say. Right. Cause then, you know, I feel like there's mission creep there. If, if I start with that easy case, Oh, it's obvious for me to say that you can't have McDonald's every day. Right. That's an obvious case to me. There's actually like that show about it where the guy only ate McDonald's oh, for 30 days, true. a supersize me or whatever mm-hmm. that was. But it's just, it's so easy to then say, well, I knew that thing. So, oh, I can, I can say I know this thing or I know that thing. It just doesn't seem to be the right role. So easy for us to pick on the sin that we don't have. Mm, you know, so in this case, dad maybe is really healthy and eats really well. And that always comes at some cost and he's willing to pay that cost for the benefit. But he's 
picking on what may be a vulnerability of moms. And he's doing that in a way that perhaps is helping him to ignore his own parenting vulnerabilities. Right. Um, it's kind of like look to your own house first, I suppose. Right. Exactly. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to leave questions, comments, or concerns, please email podcast at coparentacademy.com. And please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen.